Hey, this is Mark with A Present Word, where scripture is shared with insightful and practical applications for you today. When the Lord met the woman at the well in John chapter 4, we kind of know the story. He's, you know, he asked her for a drink, and she said, you know, how is it you being a Jew asked me of a drink? You know, Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. And he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you to give me a drink, you would ask him for living water. So he gets this dialogue going with her, right? And she's like, you know, sir, you have nothing to draw with. You know, she's reacting to him naturally saying, I don't understand, you know, how, how where are you going to get this water from? And he said an interesting thing in verse 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain springing up into everlasting life. She says, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. So she asks him for something. And then in verse 16, he said, go call your husband and come here. Why would he ask that? And the woman said to him, I have no husband. You know, is he trying to embarrass her? And she she said to him, I have no husband. And he said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. So what he was saying to her, I asked you a question, and you related to me in truth. That's very, very important. But I believe one of the primary principles is this, is that she asked him for something, and then he asked her to do something. But he was, he was she could have said, okay, you know, let, I'll be right back. Let me go get him. See, we could put on a religious facade, and then she could have gone to the village instead of the guy she's living with. But come out here, you know, I think this guy's important. You know, he wants to give me living water. Just tell him you're my husband. That she responded to him in truth. That's a foundational principle of our walk with God is truth. Truth in our inward parts. Yes, towards our fellow man, but way before that with the Lord. The woman said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and the Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. Verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. So this is the key. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship. God is spirit, and those who worship him, not should, not I recommend, or it would be helpful, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. She's got the truth part down because he said, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he goes, you told the truth. The other thing that she she does need is she needs the spirit. And that's what we want to talk about. And I believe that this fountain of water, fountain, it's springing up into eternal life. It's a spiritual fountain. I want to go over to Hebrews because it talks about spirit and in truth. Hebrews chapter 4. You know, well, we know without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we do need to have faith. But faith is a spiritual thing, too. It's if you say, show me faith, 
Well, you can't, you can't take it out of your pocket or pull it out of a drawer. It's something intrinsic that we have in our, you know, that we move in. So spirit is like that too. God is spirit. And so the challenge is, is how, okay, if I want to worship the Lord, I can understand the truth, being truthful in the inner parts, but how am I supposed to worship God in the spirit? How does this work? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. As the Holy Spirit is within us, and as the Word of God, as we read it, it quickens us. It's like a mustard seed. The Lord was saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which he plants in us. So the Spirit of God moves in, we get born again. But I'm not sure what age you were when you got saved. When we do get saved, if you're a teenager, your 20s or 30s or 40s, whatever, it's that you've been living in your soul. Your soul is your primary dominant discerner. The soul, the mind, the will, the emotions. Our soul runs the show. It's who we are. It's our makeup. Now, we know that we're made of three parts, and we'll touch on it in a minute, but our soul is our dominant part. So our spirit, the lights are out. Jesus came. He's a life-quickening spirit. So he, he re-jumpstarts our spirit. Boom, our spirit comes on. But we're used to living and doing everything through our soul. We can sense this presence inside of us. The word, we read the word, we begin to get understanding. But this word wants to come in, wants to make a separation. The Lord has to separate our soul from our spirit. Why? Because if not, you can spend your whole Christian life worshiping God in your soul, not in your spirit. There's a lot of Christians who've been Christians for years and do not worship God in their spirit. They worship Him in their soul. They think they're worshiping in, in the spirit, but when they got saved, their soul's the dominant thing. We're relating to God. Our soul does worship God, but it's not to be the primary source and I'll, I'll walk us through that in just a minute to give us more understanding. But the Word of God has to come in, and it needs to make a division here. It's living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, even the division of soul and spirit, of joint marrow, and is the discerner and thoughts and intent of our heart. So we've got to let this process work within within us. It's, it's a natural, it's just like growing up. It's just in there working inside us, but we need to be aware of it, and we need to let the Word of God do that, because we can resist the Lord and refuse Him and say, no, I want to stay in my soul, because we're used to our soul. Our soul is what we're used to, and we have to, as Paul said, put on the new man. You know, the old man has to die and then put on the new man, walk in the newness of life, walk in the spirit. If you walk in, in the soul, which an aspect of our will and our, our flesh, and the enemy has rights into that. He sees that in the garden. So our soul is deceived, doesn't have any guidance. And that's why Paul said, you guys are all once darkness out there just fulfilling the lust, you know, without God, you know, hopeless in the world. The only thing that brought hope to us is the Spirit of God has come into us. So if this does not, if this process does not work inside of you, you can't worship God in the Spirit. See, God is Spirit, and He wants to connect with us in the Spirit, not in our soul. He loves our soul. He, he made us. He gave us our soul. He's, 
Our soul is going into eternity. He's spirit, and he's saying, if you're going to communicate with me, you've got to communicate with me in not any spirit, okay, the Holy Spirit, because the soul is subject to the fallen spiritual world, right? We're all familiar with that. First Peter, and I'm going to just run through some scriptures here. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit. So our souls get purified and cleansed and healed and renewed by the Spirit. Because our souls are fragmented. You know, we've had parents that meant well, but they hurt us. You know, the world's been mean to us. And we get jaded and, you know, we have hurts and pains, our soul. This soul has to be restored and healed and it has to come under the government of the Holy Spirit. Purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. This is how we get saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe where? In your soul? No. Heart. That God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth one makes confession unto salvation. It says that we believe in our heart. The Spirit comes into that. The Spirit doesn't come into our mind. We renew our mind. The Spirit doesn't come into our soul. We renew our soul. So our Spirit, the Spirit of God, quickens our spirit so that we can fellowship and connect with Him. It's not through the soul. The soul now is there, and it's it's sharing space with the Spirit. It says the soul wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the soul. They're at enmity one for another. Why? Because they both want to run the show. The our fallen Adamic person wants wants to be boss. The Holy Spirit comes in. I'm here to take over the lordship of Jesus Christ. You're his property now. You're his possession. He's claimed you for himself. You're going to live with him. My job now is to purify your soul, prepare you, and get you ready to live with the Lord. That's why the Holy Spirit's here. He's our guide. He's our teacher. He's instructor. Deuteronomy 6.5, you shall love the Lord your God with all heart first, right? Then your soul, right? And then your strength. Matthew 22 says, you shall love the Lord with your heart first, your soul, and your mind. And your mind is like your strength. It's the mind, will, and the emotions. It's, it's the strength of our life. And our soul is not you know, it's not an evil thing, but if it's allowed to run our life, um, you're not going to experience the life in the spirit that God has for it. Most people who are living their Christian life in their soul are not aware of it. And for them to come to the place where they realize that, it requires tremendous humility because they're just like, I, I, I don't believe it. I won't believe it. I can't believe it. I'm worshiping God in the spirit. But the truth is, is that many, many, many people are worshiping God in their soul. Now, does he appreciate it? Yeah, but he's spirit and he wants us. Our soul does need to magnify the Lord, right? And, and worship and, and come and be submissive that way. So it's not, that's not a bad thing, but it's like you're missing out on the connectivity of, of God. So that's why I'm pointing this out, because I want us to always check ourselves and to say, what am I living out of? Am I living out of my soul? You know, am I, am I living, am I walk? you know, it says walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit. Well, I'm walking in the spirit. We could think we're walking in the spirit. We're walking in the soul. We're walking in the flesh. We think we're something we're not. So we may be, we may be in the spirit. 
if we don't know what to look for, if we don't know well, what the difference is, then we cannot understand. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For his Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. The soul is not involved in this whole conversation. The soul and the Spirit are so close that we don't, we, well, we think one's the other. The Word of God wants to separate it so that there is a clear separation and that the Spirit man is the dominant controlling Spirit in our life. It's not our soul. Have you ever been around people that they're in the Lord and you're trying to talk to them about spiritual things and they're just they're just not getting it. They're just not hearing you. What's going on? Why can't I connect with this person? Because one one's in the spirit and the other's in the soul. You see, and you can't, it's like you're speaking two completely different languages. Lord, reveal yourself to me. Show me the deep things I want to know. He's got to pour that into our spirit, but he goes to give it to your spirit your soul is resisting that. See, it's enmity, the soul and spirit war against each other and saying, I don't want any of that. And it rejects it. We remain a natural person. Still in 1 Corinthians 2. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You know, that's God said, well, I'm going to send somebody in my name. And they listen to him. We don't want him. And, and they said, okay, well, there's this other guy coming in his name. Well, bring him in here. Oh, we like him. He's great. He's our kind of guy. I just connect with him, you know? There's just something there. He's really moving in the spirit of God. No, you know, we, we Christianize everything. We Christianize our language. We call it whatever we want. But the reality of it is, is many times God's spirit is completely not involved at all. It's soul to soul. Many Christians aren't even aware of this. He's saying, look, we're not, I didn't come teaching man's wisdom. If your spirit in you is hidden away and your soul is up front and saying, you stay back there and don't come out, I'm running the show here. The soul does not, it doesn't help the soul. And, and that's where we get, that's why Paul said, you know, the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. Who's Paul writing to? He's writing to Christians at the Corinth church. He's writing to people that he spent years preaching to. I've got so much more I want to give you that God has shown me, uh, you know, I can't because you're not going to receive it. The natural man, verse 14, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned, not soul discerned. Your soul is sitting there going, what is he talking about? You, you bring it down. You bring it down to a soul level. We, we carnalize. I've seen it over the years. It's very pervasive. And it was true of my life. I mean, I, I've had to live through this. I had to say, oh, there's my spirit. I found my spirit. I'm like, okay, there. And I said, okay, I want to feed the spirit. The soul, no, I have to deny you, and I'm going to respond to the spirit. So you're on a landline. I'm, I'm, up, I'm up in heaven. You know, I want to make sure when I say I sense the Spirit of God or this is the Spirit of God, I'm, it's not my soul 
demanding or carnal imagination trying to, you know, have my own way. We have to make sure that our spirit doesn't get defiled, doesn't get wounded. We have to keep it healthy. We have to keep it in the Word, communicating with God. He's restoring our soul. He's restoring our body, strengthening us. See, the flesh profits nothing. It's the Spirit. Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they're spirit and they're truth. But it does say he'll quicken our mortal body. So thank God for that. But what keeps us going is the spirit. We need to be quickened in the spirit. And if you're just living in your soul, you're just going to have soul power. Remember, the true worshipers are those who worship the Father in spirit and truth. I hope this message was helpful to you today. If you'd like to be notified of future podcasts, click the follow button. If you're on Google, click subscribe. This is a free podcast. We are a listener-supported ministry. If you would like to donate, click the PayPal link of this podcast. If you're on our website, click the heart button on the upper right corner. If you don't have a PayPal account, you can still use this link to give using your credit or debit card. To contact me, my email is apresentword at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.